You are now listening to On The Issue with your host, Deshaun Williams. Every Thursday at 4 o'clock, we come to you with a new issue. and We sit down on the issue to discuss the issue, how to eradicate the issue. We bring you tips, tricks, and examples on how to change the issues that society has normalized. Today we have my good friend and fellow guest, Megan Graham on the show. How are you today? Good, Deshaun. Thanks for having me. It, it's definitely an honor to have you on the show today. Definitely with the, uh, so, you know, we've had technical difficulties before the show. Mm-hmm. We had the laughter. We had to slip up. Y'all will never hear. Um, I promise y'all won't hear that. This video isn't even going to go out. Y'all just going to get audio today. Um but today we have a very heavy topic, and um, so Miss Megan Graham is going to be talking about um, something that she went through in November of 2021. If you're friends with her on Facebook or you follow her on any social media, you may know. Uh, if you don't, this is definitely something that could possibly hit home for some of you or... Um, I would say that this could become a trigger warning for some. So I'm going to shut up now. I'm going to let, I'm going to pass the mic over to you. (laughs) Thanks Deshaun. So what we discussed about talking about today is that I am a mom of three and all three of my kiddos fall uh, somewhere on the autism spectrum uh, with my son being the highest need on the autism spectrum and my other two are officially diagnosed with Asperger's which is a higher functioning end of the autism spectrum. My youngest are 17 year old twins so my son is half of that twin set just to kind of give you a bit of a of a layout of my family structure. Uh, So my son it took three and a half years to be able to get him diagnosed initially with severe autism And that was despite him actually showing all the classic behaviors and signs of autism. When he was about five or six years old, he started hurting me. um, And basically it was his way to communicate with me because he's functionally, conversationally nonverbal. And I was always terrified of when he turned 15, 16 with that growth spurt of you teenage boys. <laughs> I mean, we do age. get tall after a while. Yes. And I, I will also share, I am actually five foot 10. So I'm a tall woman. For those that can't see right now, Deshaun is like in shock right now as to how tall I am. You're taller than me. I'm five, eight. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it doesn't come across apparently as that when I'm on camera. So, but I am five ten, And even at five and six years old, my son was doing damage on me, sometimes small, sometimes big during meltdowns. And a meltdown for a kiddo with autism is 
about over being overstimulated with sensory processing. It's not about, you know, wanting a piece of candy and throwing a tantrum. A tantrum is very different from a meltdown. And so I was always terrified of him turning 15, 16, 17 years old. Cause I just knew in my gut that he was going to be taller than me and bigger than me. And he is, he's about six, three, six, four now and about two twenty. So he is a big boy now at 17 years old. And in November, actually it started in October of 2021. He, uh, he wasn't able to go to school anymore. He is in an autism specific class and he wasn't able to be, to attend school because he was getting too violent and aggressive um, on a daily basis. And then about three weeks prior to November 8th, 8th or 9th, I can't remember now, um, at two o'clock every day, he would start beating me. And not just like little slaps or anything, but I mean, full out beating on me. Oh, ah. We haven't technical difficulties. And there we go. I'm back. But I totally, there we go. I totally knocked my headphones out, which pulled my, my, screen down. Sorry. <laughs> it's all about the technical difficulties with us today. <laughs> so I'll start that part back over so you can splice it together. Okay. Um, so in October, 2021, he started beating on me um, every day at about two o'clock in the afternoon. I would refer to it as my, the witching hour. And he it basically continued for three weeks at a time, three weeks. And one day I happened to be driving with him because he'd actually asked for a car ride that day. And I was driving with him in the car and we happened to drive by McMaster University, which has a world renowned um, children's hospital involved in there. And he started beating on me again in the car while I'm driving. This is not the first time that this has happened. There have been other times in his life where he has even jumped out of the car while I'm driving. Uh, thankfully, ne it was, it's never been over 50 kilometers an hour, which I think is about 25, 30 miles an hour, something like that for those in the States, because I'm in Canada. We don't know. We use miles per hours. I know. And the irony is, is that we actually say like 60 miles per hour, but it's not. It's kilometers up here um so i think it's about i'm not sure 30 miles an hour somewhere around there anyways it's a lower number than what we have here and so when we were actually driving by mcmaster university this time i was like that's it i i can't keep doing this anymore and he's literally beating me in the car while i'm driving and i happen to be in the right lane to be able to turn left into McMaster. I got us there safely, opened the door and we just got out of the car and he just continued beating me. Um, somehow I like strong armed him into the intake room within the hospital itself. And it actually took three security guards to hold him in that intake room and two nurses to pull me out because my son had such a, a 
strong arm on me and was beating me so much. And the whole time I'm like getting him into that intake room, I'm screaming, he's a kid, he's a kid. I swear he's a kid because McMaster University is a children's hospital. It's not for adults, but he's six, four. So he looks like an adult. Um, so they're like, we believe you, we believe you, right? Like, we'll, we'll deal with that after let's just get you guys in. So, um, I followed the nurses that were saying, come with me, mom, come with me, mom, while the security guards were holding him in that room. And all that I saw in that intake room, I mean, we've been there while the kids were growing up. It's, it's a standard intake room. Um, you know, there's a computer, there's chairs, there's various, you know, blood pressure and all this. It's a standard intake room. Um, but all that I saw were my eyes darting everywhere, seeing all the weapons that he could use against me. So took three security guards to, to keep him off of me. And they led me into a kind of community room that was inside the, the main part of emergency. And turns out that they had to lead him into a padded room in the emergency department, which I didn't know existed was this padded room. Um, basically for psychiatric holds. And that was one of the hardest things that I've ever seen is my son standing there in this padded room after he had calmed down and just mommy help, mommy help, mommy help while he was in there. Uh, but we knew that he, we couldn't let him out until he was either sedated or basically being moved to, to the room that he was going to be in. And I don't think I've cried as much as I ever have um, in that first 12 hours that he was at the hospital that time. He was there for three days that time. When we moved him from that padded room into the only room that was the lockable room in the psychiatric ward in the emergency department, it took six security guards and staff and myself and a friend of mine to be able to move him about 50 feet um, so that we could kind of almost barricade him and keep him and especially other kids that were in the emergency department safe. Um, up until this time, my ex-husband, my son's dad, had not believed about any of these times where I would tell people that he was beating me. And on the second day that we were actually at the hospital, um, we were in, my ex-husband and I, so his dad and I, were in the same room with my son in the psych ward, this lockable room. And I arrived with pizza for my son because that's his favorite food. He eats it with like eating the pepperoni, then the cheese, then <laughs> the tomato sauce, and then the crust. And he kept going back and forth between my my ex-husband and I kind of cuddling up and watching videos on my ex-husband's cell phone. And then he would come and cuddle up with me and play with my fingers and my hair and, and everything. And then one, he went and did one more time with my ex-husband sat up and the switch as I call it happened. And he just started going at me again. And it was the first time that my ex-husband ever saw this happen. 
Um, and he was just in shock. He's like, get out, get out, get out, get out, just get your stuff, get out. Um, and he was trying to hold my son back, but my ex-husband's actually two inches shorter than I am and had never seen this before. So all the staff came running in and I'm like, it's two o'clock, isn't it? Like, I didn't even have to look at the time. I knew it was two o'clock. There was something that happened for him at two o'clock every day. And that's when everybody went, oh my goodness, what are we doing here? What is this? Um, Because they were actually had been threatening to discharge him later that afternoon because he was nice and calm overnight after they had sedated him. And he was having a great morning with his dad in the room in the psych ward. And I was like, you can't discharge him. There's something that happens at two o'clock. And they're like, okay, well, we'll keep him till three and see if he's okay. I'm like, well, Lena, you better not need, be needing this room because he won't be. And they were able to get me out of that room. And because of the height differences and where the window in the room was to look into the room and also look out of the room, my son could see me through that window by, by looking right over his dad's head. And he just kept trying to come after me through that window. And eventually they were able to get me out of sight um, from that sight line and then able to get him calmed down enough to be able to get his dad out of that room as well. And I basically had to leave. And the next day when they were continuing to threaten to release him, Uh, his dad was like, look, we have to make plans at our place because he obviously can't go back to his mom's. So he was released after on November 11th, 2021 with instructions of basically he goes back to his dad's place. I tried working with his dad for on a safety plan of what had just been normal, a normal plan in our home until that time. Um, to be able to protect his dad, his dad's then partner and her children, um, because they had never encountered this side of our son before. And they hadn't believed that it was an issue. Um, they believed up until then, understandably, that it had been something that I was doing wrong in a parenting situation. And that was not it at all. Our son was trying to communicate with us and we couldn't figure out what it was. So overnight, I went from believing that my son was going to be living with me until I pass away. Because in Ontario, which is the area of of Canada, the province of Canada that I live in, um, there is approximately a 32-year wait list for supportive housing. Deshaun's eyes are going are bugging out of his head right now <laughs> so i'm glad i noticed because you know i always said i want to move to ontario Canada. but you don't need supportive housing right so i'm talking specifically supportive housing where there's psws and, and nurses and everything that can actually support a child an adult child like my son gotcha yes being able to afford a regular house is a whole other issue. <laughs> um, but having supportive housing, unless there is a crisis situation, is about a 32-year wait list after approval 
for all the funding that you can apply for when you turn 18, which is a whole other issue. So I hate to interject right here. So no, please do. You're so what you're saying is that at the age of 18, you apply for all this help, you apply for all this help, you apply for the supportive housing. Which you can only apply for the supportive housing if you get approved for the other funding. So this is how it goes. <laughs> apply uh, correct me if I'm if I get this wrong again. Apply yes. for funding. If you're accepted, apply for supportive housing. Yes. Then wait 32 years if it's approximately, if there's no yeah. crises of some kind. Gotcha. But if you apply well, let's do the math, okay? Right. 32 plus 18 is 50. Yeah, I wasn't so he won't, in math. <laughs> neither was I, but I've done the math. This. Um, so he won't get into supportive housing until he's 50. Okay. Now, worse, let's do the math for me. I am 46 years old. Plus 32, that is 78. Yes. Yeah. Life lived long. Right? And life lived with a child who beats me every time that he is going through crisis. Now, I should preface and say that my son is the biggest teddy bear alive. 90% of the time, he is just this big teddy bear that like wants to even be like a, a lap dog to me. He'll like cuddle into my lap and hug me and you know, he's a, just a big teddy bear because developmentally he's three, but in a 17 year old's body. Yeah. I've, I've seen some of y'all's pictures and I was like, I was like, Oh, he looked like he wanted her to fly. Yeah, exactly. So then I seen the post and I was like, how okay. did that person become that person? Exactly. Right. Because right. literally 90% of the time he's just a big teddy bear. So when he was, released he could only be released to his dad's thankfully this is where we are divorced um because he had another home to go to um that he already felt safe and secure in but there are not every family has that privilege for lack of a better term but it's been a huge learning curve on his dad's end to be able to figure out the 24 seven of parenting every day, all day with our son, because he hasn't had to do that. I mean, we've been divorced for 13 years now. And to see this side of our son has been a huge change for his dad. And then we even had an incident beginning of November, I think it was somewhere around there where again, he went after me at his dad's place. And two days later, I ended up with a massive black eye after he headbutted me. I remember that post that, that was around now. Let me ask this in Canada. When is Thanksgiving? y'all? It's in October. See, U.S. always a month behind. <laughs> ours November 25th. Yes. And ours is um, second week of October, and it happens to be my birthday. So <laughs> I get pumpkin pie for my birthday every year. Okay. So while we, so while we on the topic of holidays real fast, when is Christmas yes. for y'all? It's the same as you guys. 
Okay. See, yes. at least we got something in common. <laughs> New Year's the same too, I think. Yes, it is. Um, yes, it is. Unless you're it has to do behind. with with the harvest season, right? So primarily up in Canada, even though we're at the same is it longitude or latitude? Whichever one's the longer one, we're at the same longitude. I'm going to go with it that that's the horizontal one um, as New York City. But our harvest season is earlier. I mean, technically, October is harvest season. So I kind of understand, like, uh, I don't see no turkeys running around in, no <laughs> in November. <laughs> like, yeah, so I, I understand, like, they do call October the harvest season, so. But you well, know, then you guys are just messed up with when you do Thanksgiving. No, no, they, <laughs> no. October down here just Halloween. Yeah, it is Halloween here too. We do Thanksgiving and then Halloween. <laughs> All right, y'all. You we need we need to sit down. We need to have a talk. Somebody y'all. needs to have conversations about this. But y'all also don't have to celebrate. Y'all also don't celebrate Columbus Day either. I don't believe. No, we don't. I guess no, that's the. I, I, never mind. <laughs> I ain't going there. We also start uh, school in September. You guys start in August, I believe. Well, here in South Carolina, where I stay, they start in July. They have pretty much year-round school now. Oh, okay. And uh, I'm so glad I'm graduated. <laughs> <laughs> See, and we don't have school in June and July or in July and August because it gets too hot and most of the schools don't have air conditioning unless it's a new school. They didn't care about this. You pass out. Oh, well, better get some water, <laughs> pour them on it, get some sea salt or something, get a, get a smelly salt, put it on. It's all good. Be all right. <laughs> but uh, we told y'all we were going to give y'all a little bit of comedy. Yes. So 32 years and. Yeah. If you're not accepted for the funding, then you don't, then you can't apply. Yes. And I mean, it's, it's above and beyond that. You've got funding that you receive as a child for when you have a diagnosed disability, but that doesn't guarantee that you're going to get accepted to the same equivalent funding as an adult. So what you're saying, hmm. So you're saying higher or so you could get approved for more, but or you can get approved for nothing. So my having a diagnosis of autism does not guarantee that you're going to get the funding that you apply for at age 18. It's called aging out once you turn 18 here. Um, The interesting thing is that he did receive a secondary diagnosis when he was eight of intellectual disability even though that's not the primary diagnosis for him, that will guarantee that he will actually be accepted for funding, but we still have to apply for the funding for everything. Wow. Aging out for funding. So I've been counting on the days of when he ages out because that happens this July. I've never heard. See, Sometimes I look at America and I was like, we do some dumb stuff. But I, well, I don't know. We age out on child support. So I guess that goes hand in hand. And and, I mean, from what I understand in the States, aging out is really 
a bigger issue related to foster care. This is true because at age of roughly, I think I want to say about 17, close to that 18th birthday, they age out and uh, whether they have somewhere to go or not. And, you know, that's an issue here in the States, especially when our, um, you know, especially when a lot of our homeless shelters are, Mm -hmm. um, they're over occupied at this point. So it's like, And we have the similar situation, but it's for our kiddos that have disabilities. Right. So they age out of all the supports that they've been receiving up until age 18. So the day before they turn 18, they can still be receiving supports. Then at 18, we have to reapply for funding and supports and hope that we get it. It's not an automatic thing. Woo. And thankfully, because my son is in an autism specific class in mainstream school, he can actually stay in school until he's 21. And that's like, that's how South Carolina do. But once you hit 21, you ain't graduate, get on out. Yeah. But then we have to pay for, you know, day programs to be able to keep our jobs so that we can afford to pay for day programs because otherwise what do we do with our kiddos? <laughs> Deshaun looks very, very pensive and thinking right now for those who cannot see. <laughs> so uh... it's a whole catch 22 situation. There was an article that actually came out uh, earlier, no, late last week about a single father here in Ontario And his son just um, aged out of schooling. So he's now 22 years old. And the son got the first um, full month of day program, uh, day programming basically for his child to be able to go to a program um, that keeps him interactive and, and having fun and enjoying life and everything while the dad goes to work. Right. Because up until then, he had been at the son had been at school. It was almost six thousand dollars. For just that day program for him to be able to go to full time so the father could work. So I don't know about you, but a six thousand dollar day program. Is one bill. And then there is a whole other issue of being able to, you know, keep yourself and your child housed and fed. Like you've got to be bringing in at least 10 grand take home a month to be able to survive after our kiddos stop school at 21. So I I wouldn't say $6,000 is one bill for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's probably a couple of bills, but you know, that's a lot. That's per month. That's not per year. That's per month. Now, let me let me preface that by saying these day programs are amazing. They are worth every single penny. We get maybe two grand of funding a month. Six thousand times twelve. So, so you're y'all know at my seventy thousand dollars a year ish. So about 
See, y'all know my math ain't mathing because I originally said $36,000. So I don't know where <laughs> I got that from. I could well, have that Well, 6,000 times 10 is 60. So 6,000 times 12 is 72,000 a year. And get, you get about 2,000 funding. Per so year. yeah, 70,000. Yeah. Hold up. 2,000 per year. Yeah. I'm going to just shut up now. But we're not there yet with my son yet, thankfully. But we will be very, very shortly. So I have basically set up my life to be able to drop everything, to go and put out this fire and this fire and this fire that comes up with my son. Um, thankfully, now he will let me into the house of my ex-husband's place because that was a big concern. Um, he and his partner have split. So, and partially because of my son's needs. Um, and at least now I'm able to go in and help him because my son can't handle full day schools yet. So he's only going to school till 1130 in the morning. My ex-husband has a full-time job with an employer that he has to report to. Um, but thankfully has the flexibility to be able to work from home, which is something that happened because of COVID. So there are benefits to how society has changed through COVID. I'm not saying that COVID is a good thing. I'm just saying there are benefits that have occurred because of that. COVID was somewhat good to the U.S. because, uh, you know, Trump sent us twelve fifty. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, if you stayed in New York, I know that $1,200 is not go nowhere. Yeah. South yeah. Carolina, they went to McCartney. So, yeah, so. COVID, COVID was definitely not a good thing. But it it helped. I, I would say it helped people realize that we are more in a digital world now mm-hmm. than anything. Yes. And it has actually opened up a lot more employment opportunities to individuals with disabilities. So the ability to work from home has now made it a lot more accessible to people with disabilities to be able to earn a good income and not have to rely on that piddly little change that you get in funding. That's that's definitely good. Hey, I can work from home, be in my pajamas. Y'all never know. Right? All y'all know, all y'all know is I answer the phone. How can I help you? Exactly. So there's purpose. There's meaning. There's integrity. There's, you know, being able to earn your own income for anyone is huge. And now that that's an option for remote learning, then that brings the employment opportunity to people with disabilities. And for that, I will forever be grateful. Um, It's not something that's in my son's future, unfortunately, Uh, but it's something that has opened up a huge employment barrier that had been prior prior to COVID for individuals with disabilities. So. Completely understand that. So, uh, Hmm. Whew, that was a that was a heavy topic. It is. It is a heavy topic, but it's something that I try to share openly and 
with as much rawness as possible because every time that I post on Facebook, which is where you see it, Deshaun, um, I get so many messages from other parents saying like, this is, you're living my biggest fear right now. And my kid's only 11 because our kiddos with autism, with any neurological disorder, pretty much people think of them always as only children, not that they become teenagers and the hormones that go along with everything that's happening in their bodies that they don't understand. And then they become grownups. Shocking that, that a child becomes a grown-up and needs to actually have supports to be able to live an active and integrity-filled life. I completely understand what you're saying. I just blew your mind with the whole thought of hormones and, and our kiddos. <laughs> your face no. went all crazy. <laughs> no, but I will say when you said the word shocking, so for everyone listening, I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. Mm. So when she says shocking, they had it had like the accent that Harry Potter <laughs> using. That's because I'm British background. Trying to figure that. <laughs> so um whew. yeah and then fast forward through to april of the following year he ended up back in the hospital again with another oh and i didn't mention the the instructions that we were given uh when he was discharged in november was yeah we'll we'll try fixing his meds a bit um, but if it happens again, just bring him back, call the, the police and the ambulance and bring him back. And that was the discharge information because there was nothing else they can do. They can't stop the hormones from causing problems. They can't find out from him what's wrong because the only way that he's going to, um, communicate is through violence because he can't tell us what's wrong. So then fast forward to April where he had another massive meltdown where it, we were actually at a friend's place at the time and the worst fear that I have ever had finally came true where the police actually had to handcuff my son because he was still beating me when they got, arrived on scene and they had to handcuff him to protect me and to protect everybody else so here he was lying on his stomach on an outside sidewalk, handcuffed. Thankfully, the responding paramedic happens to be an autism mama that I know. She, from the physical description on the phone to 911, she recognized it as potentially being me and my son. And she arrived and had already called a doctor out to be able to help sedate him fully so that they could get him back to the hospital. We had amazing psychiatrists this time because it was a second hospitalization. One of the security guards was, I threatened to fire him because he wasn't listening to me um, as to how to manage my son. Um, but one of the psychiatrists actually, after a day, pushed for more tests. And that's when we found out that he had gallstones and gall sludge. So part of what he was reacting to was the pain that he was going to after every single meal that he ate. So he went through his first surgery as well. 
in that secondary hospitalization. And it was the first time that he spoke since October then after that, after he woke up from that hospital, that surgery. Gallstones ain't no joke. From they are not. I've had them myself. I, I, as soon as they told us that, I just started bawling because I know that pain. I never had any. You don't want any. I never you had don't. any kidney stones either. Let me, no. let me knock on my desk. Yes, exactly. Knock on wood. So, uh, but we had no idea that he was in this pain because he couldn't tell us. Right. And when he woke up from that surgery, at least our little little man was back. He was he actually asked for tickle monster mummy. You know, he wanted to cuddle again. He wanted and it was immediate and we were so happy. But now he just he's seen we have to be very, very regimented with his food, with his drink intake, all of it. Like it's every hour and a half. We have to do that now. And it we still don't know what's happening. I have ideas as to what's going on psychologically, but we can't test them because that would require a verbal assessment. And we can't just go and try different meds because they're antipsychotics that you don't play with unless you know what the wiring is. That's true. Pretty much how I put it. Don't go try to wire up a house with electricity if you don't know what you're doing. Exactly. Or if you don't, don't try to go rewire if you don't know what the past electrician did. Yes. Or based on the technical difficulties that we had earlier, don't go and mess with the microphone <laughs> if yeah. it ain't broke. <laughs> yeah. Never. So, uh, as we close out the show, yeah, that's the yes. that's the comedy that we're gonna have for you. <laughs> if you have a microphone and it's sitting upright like it needs to for you to walk, just leave it alone. Into it, leave, leave it alone. Yeah, because if you don't, you end up holding a microphone in your hand for an entire show. Which feels really weird when you're not on stage like we are when we're speakers. Because then it's fine to hold the microphone. I'd rather still have the one that goes around my ear. And just, I know. Yeah, the headset's because, better. Because but... then I can I can be like, Oprah, you get a car, you get a car, <laughs> you get a car. I can just point at everybody. I ain't got exactly. to worry about accidentally tossing the microphone like, oh, accidentally <laughs> hit you. So, yeah. But the, the big thing now is that like my son is going through this psychosis. We're trying to support him as best we can. He wouldn't actually let me see him for two months after all this happened. And I went from 24-7 to an empty nester. And my his dad went from every other weekend to every, and every Wednesday overnight to 24-7. So this has affected everybody's lives. His twin missed him too much. So they are now at their dad's as well because they couldn't be away from him as much at like all that, that amount of time. Um, and my oldest, she's 28. So she's off and doing her thing. She just finished her master's degree and is just, she's going to run the world one day. <laughs> um, but everybody's lives have been changed because of this, of basically hormones and autism. And I'm going through a huge reflective time period in my life because I have, I've created my entire life based on his needs, his abilities, and even his sensory input. Like 
I'm going to be moving into a new, uh, new apartments soon. And I'm going, I don't even know what I want in there anymore because it's all been about his sensory needs and the other two sensory needs for the last 17 years. So it's a huge, huge learning curve for me now too. Definitely understand it. Yeah. So. There was a heavy episode for you. I know. I'm sorry. There's but no I think I appreciate you being able to let me get it out to people because our kiddos with autism don't stay kids their entire lives. And this we need the help. We need the support. Most definitely. Yeah. And, you know, don't apologize because, you know, it is something that needs, it needs the awareness. It's, yes. I, I, I hate to, um, I hate to compare it to this, but I feel like what was discussed today is talked about about as much as mental health and suicide prevention. It's yeah. not talked about, neither one, none of those are talked about enough. And all of these things need more eyes on them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And and there is a an infamous study, and I can never remember who it's by, and I really should keep that in the, the good part of my brain that remembers, of um, parents of kiddos with autism have the same PTSD levels as soldiers coming back from war. And that is not to downgrade at all soldiers coming back from war. That's a totally different, like, complete respect to you for you and your family for going off and doing all of that. I, I can't, I can never verbalize that part. Now mean. going to, from full time to nothing with my son, the trauma that I'm having to work through that are, that's triggered it with every single potential sensory over in, over stimulus that I'm used to protecting my son from. I get how that co comparison is made now, never having been in the army or soldier or anything myself, but it's a constant thing around us and there's no support out there for parents because we're just supposed to deal. Yeah, not, mental health know. is so important it is so so that brings us to the end of today's <laughs> episode because we know it was we so have... heavy everybody take a deep breath <laughs> yeah. so before i before i close us out everybody on the count of three take a deep breath one yes. two three <sighs> i just went on the bread and breathe out yeah what is it I just went on the breath. I don't know what breath <laughs> is, but um, I want to thank y'all for definitely um, tuning in to this episode. And I want to thank you, uh, Megan, for coming on to the show. Being thank vulnerable. you for letting me share. You're welcome. You know, we did have a lot of technical difficulties before <laughs> the show. We, we had a lot of comedy that happened as well that did not get recorded. Yeah. Um, Man, if y'all only knew how much we cracked up before the show, because we, because <laughs> like we had to crack up because, you know, when you have heavy topics, you, you have to put in moments that you can, that can be seen as comical, yes. not to, not to lessen 
it doesn't diminish the, the heavy moments. It just helps it more become more manageable. Right. It helps you kind of digest it a little yeah. bit more and a little bit easier. So that that's why that's why we do what we do. Um so I'm your you have listened to another episode of On the Issue with your host Deshaun Williams, where we sit down on the issue about the issue to eradicate the issue. Please remember, we are here every Thursday at four o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And if you do not mind, go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Good Pods, or wherever you get your podcast from, and leave us a review. Remember to like, subscribe, and share our podcast so that you never miss an episode. My name is Deshaun Williams, and I am never off the issue.